Hi, it's Dwyer. It's Monday, August 1st, 2022. Gamblersadvisory.com, a free site. Bettingangle.us, a free site. Let's talk boxing. Let's talk Danny Garcia's victory over Jose Benavides Jr. But first remember, the opinion you should follow should be your own. Just consider this video to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. Now, before I get to the fight, let's briefly mention another fight. Spence against Crawford. Understand that Danny Garcia is one of boxing's best interviews. Garcia has fought Errol Spence, right? Garcia, before this fight, was very chatty. And he gave an interview where he was asked who was the hardest puncher that he has faced. And his answer was a little surprising, given that Garcia is a guy who's been in multiple weight classes. Garcia's response was Lucas Matisse. Right? Lucas Matisse left an impression on Danny Garcia. He went further. He talked about the second hardest puncher he's faced, and that was Keith Thurman. Right, Keith Thurman. Not Errol Spence. So the interviewer did a great job pressing him, and he pointed out that Spence hits hard, but it's a different kind of power than what he faced with Matisse and Keith Thurman. Right? Danny believes that the Keith Thurman of 2017 would give anybody in boxing a great fight. Right, The argument is that Keith Thurman has had some injuries and might no longer be Keith Thurman, even though Keith looked very good in his last fight. Right, Well, that gives Terrence Crawford an opening. Understand, Errol Spence hits hard, but it's not Deontay Wilder one-punch type capability. Right? This is the difference, I mentioned it in the last video, between Robert Hellenius, who stopped Adam Konotsky twice, and his last opponent who beat him, Ali Demirizin, right? who hits hard, but who doesn't have that one-punch stop traffic and the fight type power. So Crawford, I'm sure part of his game plan is going to be what was part of Danny Garcia's game plan for this Benavides match. It's going to involve movement. In other words, you have more of a margin of error against an Errol Spence than you do a Deontay Wilder, right? You can be winning a fight against Wilder, as Luis Ortiz has done twice. Get hit with one big bomb and life changes. Even if you get off the canvas, you're not yourself the rest of the fight. I get the feeling with Errol Spence, he needs to touch you a few times. It's a war of attrition. So if you can get on your bike, move, counter, Right? Hit him, discourage him, have him confused for a few rounds, have him outside for a few rounds. 
then you have a chance to outbox Errol Spence. You don't get that opportunity against a Golovkin, against a Canelo, right? Those are guys who will deplete you with one punch, right? Just think about the end of the Kovalev fight. Right, so understand, when you're handicapping fights and you hear from a great source, a guy who's actually been in the ring, a vet who's had belts like Danny Garcia, right, a vet who's been in with multiple hard punchers, right, that will give you the insight that, wow, you know, Errol Spence needs to land a few shots on Terrence Crawford. If Crawford's not there to be hit, if Errol Spence is not able to put the punches together to ring the bell, right, then that will make Spence vulnerable. Then in a fight, a boxing match might break out. Let me also make another point that's even more controversial than that. If you asked me to pick the closer, this is shaking up my table, obviously. If you asked me to pick the closer between Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford, I would pick Crawford. Right? There are Crawford fights where Crawford has difficulty. Right? Think about the mean machine fight. Right? Crawford gets dropped early in that fight. But yet, by the end of the fight, it's all Crawford. Because Crawford calibrates, makes adjustments. And then it just looks like his opponent's defenseless. Right? Whereas Danny Garcia, who is cagey, elite, right? Danny Garcia went the distance with Errol Spence. Mikey Garcia who talks about being beaten up by Errol Spence. But understand, Mikey went the distance with Errol Spence, right? And there's an argument that Mikey was new to the weight class. Sean Porter went the distance with Errol Spence. You get the feeling that highly skilled guys who know their way around the ring can actually find a way to go the distance with Errol Spence. Sean Porter who many of you believe was winning that Terrence Crawford fight. I thought the Terrence Crawford fight was close until the knockdown. But in typical Crawford fashion, Crawford knocks him down. Then when Porter gets back up, you know the rest, Crawford has already solved the puzzle. Right? Porter's corner is ready to throw in the towel. I believe Kenny Porter understood. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Crawford has solved the puzzle. Right? Think about Crawford against Jose Benavides Jr. Right? That's another fight where Crawford solves the puzzle, starts to dominate the second half of the fight, gets the stoppage in the 12th round. Now, let's talk about Garcia Benavides. You know, let me point out that Benavides is extremely talented. Right? He's extremely talented. Please don't sleep on his talent. 
I know many people, I know the announcers doing the fight, were talking about Danny Garcia's counter left hook, which is a great punch, right? But understand, I can't say that it's better than Benavides's chopping right hand or Benavides's left to the body, right? Those are great punches too. But I believe what you saw in this fight, and Danny looked very good, very good. I'm a little bit surprised that the Tony Harrison crowd is calling out Danny Garcia. Are you sure you want this? You want to deal with this? You know, Benavides, the leg injury is an existentialist threat to him against elite fighters. Right, folks? It's existentialist. In other words, Danny Garcia has the faster hands, right? Understand, Danny 5'8", Benavides a six-footer, right? Let me stereotype here. Shorter guys, to me, tend to be more coordinated than taller guys. Occasionally, you see a guy like a Tyson Fury, and you say, wow, he's coordinated until you see him in the ring against a Steve Cunningham, or an Otto Wallen. Then you notice there's a little bit of a gap. Right? Think of it in terms of basketball. You know, the guards are cat quick, right? A Jama Rat is cat quick. Very hard to find a big man who is as agile. So here you understand that Benavides has been bigger than most of his opponents. That's just the way it is. You also understand, and this is a loaded line, apart from the knee injury, that Danny Garcia is in better shape than Benavides. Right? You're hearing about Benavides having to lose dozens of pounds for the fight before this one. Then you hear that Benavides entered the ring for this fight weighing over 170 pounds. And you're doing the math and you're thinking, well, well I thought the weight limit was 154. Um, I thought this guy had a weigh-in the day before the fight. You mean to tell me in one day this guy has gained 16 to 18 pounds? Right? You know my preference. My preference is for the guy who is typically around his fight weight. Danny Garcia, in an interview a few days before the fight, and these interviews matter for informational purposes, right? Not to hear the guy brag about how he's going to dust off the other guy, but to get facts. And the interviewer asked Danny about his weight, and Danny said, well, you know, I'm right around fighting weight right now, right? Danny claimed that his normal walking around weight is around 154 pounds, now, where that matters in the fight is Danny already had the hand speed advantage. Post Benavides getting shot in the leg, Danny has the foot speed advantage. And understand, and I mentioned this, look at the comments and my responses to the pre-fight video, right? You know, Danny is not bashful in throwing punches. This fight, 
Danny against a slugger, right? I don't, I don't buy, I don't believe that Danny has more power than Jose Benavides. I know Hall of Famer Al Bernstein during the telecast was saying that Benavides's last fight went the distance and that guys have been going rounds against Benavides, right? I believe that's because of Benavides's knee, right? Benavides has a punch. This would be like Deontay Wilder getting shot in the knee, right? You don't want to deal with Wilder's right hand, right? But, but with the knee injury, Wilder would not be able to get close to you as often as he needed to, right? So Benavides has the power. Benavides has the skills inside in this fight. He doesn't have the legs, and he's in against a guy who this fight, hundred more than 150 power shots. Understand, Danny Garcia against Errol Spence averaged more than 10 power shots around. Right here, he throws even more power shots than that. So Danny's not bashful. Whatever power is coming back at him, Danny is going to let his hands go. This is not the fighter who you're looking at and you're saying, wow, he's really not throwing meaningful punches. No, that's not Danny Garcia. One of the secrets to Danny Garcia is Danny will throw punches. Whether it's Errol Spence, whether it's Jose Benavides Jr., whether it's Lucas Matisse, who left an impression on Danny, but who Danny beat. No matter how heavy the opponent is punch-wise, Danny's going to throw his. Now, in this fight, Garcia makes some moves that gives him the win. Right first, the worst place to be against Jose Benavides Jr. is in the pocket. If you're fighting Benavides, you have to let legs matter. You have to engage in movement. You also have to play to your advantages. So one of the secrets of this fight is the fact that Danny Garcia, right, a mid-range hooker, is moving more than normal. And when Danny does come in the pocket, right, Danny is throwing jabs with both hands, right, jabs to Benavides's body. That's the theme in this fight. Garcia, after I thought a rocky start to the fight, now I understand there's some controversy with the scoring. I would encourage people to look at the early rounds. I thought Danny looked a little shaky in the early rounds. A couple of the judges gave Danny the early rounds. But what the early rounds showed you is that Benavides in the pocket is dangerous. Right? You don't want to fight Benavides in the pocket. Right, so what Danny figures out is he needs to move and he needed to take away Benavides's body, right? In the pre-fight video, and the fight did not go the way I thought it would, right? I thought there was going to be a stoppage in this fight. There was not. 
right? But in the pre-fight video, I pointed out that because Benavides was six feet tall, Danny was going to have a hard time dealing with Benavides's head. Understand, one of the best things Benavides does is he moves his upper body. If you go back to the weigh-in for the Crawford fight, Crawford actually throws a punch on Benavides. Right? Benavides instigates it by pushing Crawford, but Crawford throws a punch on Benavides, and Benavides, on demand, leans his head back, and the punch swings by him. Benavides can alter his center of gravity. Benavides is very good at leaning back and having punches swing by him. So Danny decides, hey, I'm not going to focus on Benavides's head. I'm not going to make the young fighter's mistake of being caught up in the moment. Benavides is trying to bait him, right? Benavides is an emotional fighter. He's a bully type who wants to convince you you're worthless and who's making facial expressions at you. Danny's 34 years old. He's too old to fall for that trap. He's too old to fall for the, hey, I'm going to knock this guy out. I'm caught up in the moment. I'm swinging for his head. Danny was aware of the fact that Benavides has his upper body on a swivel when he wants and that you don't want to reach for, and this almost costs Danny, you don't want to reach for Benavides's head, have Benavides lean back, the shot swing by, then come at you with that chopping right hand. Right? I'm going to disagree with Al Bernstein and company. I think Benavides hits plenty hard. Right? He has a bad leg. I don't care what's said. I'll give him credit for not even wearing a knee brace. Right? But let's just say you could tell that his movement was hindered. There are a couple times in this fight where Danny swings at Benavides's head. Benavides then has a clean chance to counter Danny, but Danny was again, a vet, able to roll away, not get hit with the chopping right hand. Had either chopping right hand hit Danny, Danny would have dropped. Right? Boxing is a game of inches. Right? Danny was smart in that when he missed on Benavides to the head, he knew to move away. But the difference maker in this fight are the body shots. Right? Danny is jabbing to Benavides's body so much that Benavides actually has to start bending at the waist. Right? Benavides at times is so bent over that he and Danny are the same height. Right? I believe that was a testament to the effectiveness of Danny Garcia's body attack. And Danny was wise. He understood. He's facing a big guy who's great in the pocket. So Danny didn't want to stand in the pocket and throw big-time hooks. No, Danny's more outside and throwing jabs to the body. So when you look at this fight, I get the feeling that Garcia makes the adjustment. Right? He understands he needs to move. Benavides has a wide stance. Benavides doesn't have the foot speed to keep up with Danny Garcia, who's active. Right? So Garcia is outside. He's moving. Then he comes in. He's still throwing hooks. 
right? A leopard can't change his spots. Danny Garcia is always going to throw hooks with both hands. But the key to this fight are the jabs to the body in between the hooks. Also, there's certain things that don't show up on the punch stat sheet, right? One of them is timing. Danny Garcia has exquisite timing. In other words, he comes in, he throws a jab to the body, it stops Benavides momentarily, then Danny knows to throw the left hook as he's moving away. Right? In other words, Danny has a certain sense of timing that gets him out of trouble. Right, As I said, there are a couple times this fight where he goes for Benavides' head, misses it entirely. Benavides has a shot on Danny. Danny knows it. So Danny, of course, doesn't panic, doesn't linger. He's just moving away. Right? Had Benavides expected this level of movement from Danny Garcia, he would have thrown that chopping right hand a little bit over. Because Danny, of course, is moving away from the punch. But Danny's timing creates openings for him. Right? He's prepared for the punches Benavides throws. Let me also point out, too, that Danny has a big advantage here. He's shorter than Benavides. Right? So he could get lower. So Danny takes his body out of it, right? By bending and moving. So Danny was able to protect his head, right? He's underneath Benavides at times, right? While moving around. So you had Benavides, the taller fighter, trying to find Danny at times. Danny always knows where Benavides is. Right, so let me just say, <clears throat> if you're betting on Benavides in future fights, you need to be skeptical if he's facing a very mobile opponent. Right, I believe Benavides would have big-time problems with Jamel Charlo. Right? Charlo just moves too well. Right? I believe the taller guys at 154 and 160, a Tony Harrison, would have big problems with Benavides. Right? Because Benavides would match them in size. Right? And Benavides is highly skilled. If a boxing match breaks out and it's in the pocket and neither guy can move like Danny Garcia, Benavides is two-handed. He hits hard, right? He has some A-level punches. He's a thinking man's fighter deep in the pocket, right? So Danny Garcia moved too much for him. Right? A fighter like an Erickson Lubin, who has had some problems against taller fighters, right? Uh, Sebastian Fundora beats him, right? And Erickson Lubin would have to get low and move more, right? As technical and as thought out as Erickson Lubin is, and he's a master boxer, 
Understand, Benavides' style punishes in-the-pocket technicians. To win this fight, Danny Garcia relied on, in my opinion, movement, and he looks a lot better, folks, to me at 154 than he did his last few fights at 147. He has a spring in his step here. There's never a time in the fight where I thought Danny was tired. Right? Movement, a hand speed advantage, and an excellent fight strategy that had him not lingering in the pocket, but throwing jabs to the body. Right? It's the body shots that were the major difference maker in this fight. You could tell that Benavides is diminished the last third of the fight. Right? I don't care about the fighter's facial expressions. Every fighter wants to look tough. Benavides just couldn't catch up to Danny later in the fight. You could tell, too, that Benavides's punches were too long to catch Danny Garcia. In other words, Danny saw the punch coming and has the legs to move away. Now, Danny has a nickname that you don't hear enough of, right? His name is Danny Swift Garcia, right? Somewhere along the line in his career, he got the nickname Swift, right? You typically don't think of Danny as being that fast in the ring. Right? In part because Danny's fighting guys like Sean Porter, who are fast themselves. Right? This is the fight where you understood the nickname. He's faster than Benavides in every department. His punches are shorter than Benavides's punches. Benavides really had no defense for Danny's jabs to the body. Right? Danny didn't have to go shoulder to shoulder with Benavides. Danny was actually able to move, change angles, right? Get in, throw his shots, understand he's by far the more active fighter than Benavides. Benavides is slowly stalking him, trying to pin Danny on the ropes, right? Danny is moving. Then he's coming in, he's landing, jabs to the body, then he's back out, right? Masterful fight. Danny wins the fight, right? Danny wins the fight by a few rounds. I didn't have, I didn't have the fight a draw like one of the judges did, right? I thought Danny clearly won this fight. I thought Benavides's leg shows that his matchmaker can't have him in against opponents like the Argentine, who he fought before this one and got a gift draw against. Right? No. If you're going to match Benavides in with a fighter, it has to be some guy who's going to linger around the pocket who's going to want to trade. Right? I think a fight against Tony Harrison, that's a competitive fight if he fights Benavides. Right? I think Tony gets smoked if he fights Danny Garcia. Right, Folks, Danny is mobile. Danny is still powerful at 154. Danny looks to me... I thought Danny wilted more against Errol Spence at 147 
than he did here at 154. Right, Danny looked great. That's how I see it. Let me hear from you. I thought the fight would end by stoppage. I thought there was the possibility that, you know, these guys would actually sit down and trade. Right, Danny was wise enough in terms of changing the angles, in terms of letting his jabs to the body be the punch sequence of the fight, right? In terms of not getting pinned on the ropes by Benavides, who's excellent in the pocket, Danny was wise enough to have the pocket be a mobile pocket, right? And to have the timing to defend against whatever Benavides was throwing. There was a sizable hand speed gap in this match. That's how I see it. Let me hear from you. I hope you leave your comments in the comment section of this video. Thanks for stopping by.